You're listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life Church Pullman, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Well, good morning, family. Thanks for joining us for church today. Most of you are joining us online and watching from here, local around Pullman and the Palouse, and then some remote uh, folks watching from distant places, and that's awesome. But I also wanted to take a, ch- a second here and just say hello and good morning to everybody watching at Changed for Life Church in Baker, Montana. Uh, it was good to see you all, and uh, I'm glad you got to see me, right? Like, uh, that's how this works. So uh, for those of you here locally in the Real Life Church, you know that I moved from Eastern Montana when I came to Pullman and this town uh, where this church is, uh, Baker, is where I moved from and I met lots of amazing people while I was there, including Toby and Mandy Arnold, who are the pastors there now at Changed for Life Church. And and having since uh, moved out here, we've reconnected and Toby's been a part of our sermon planning team that we meet weekly online on Zoom with a number of people involved in that. And, and uh, he's just been a great addition to that team. And so it's been really fun to just build that relationship also to be able to kind of invest in, coach, disciple him, and just sort of come alongside him as he's leading that church through an exciting time of kind of change and growth. And so I just want to say welcome and let people know that uh, uh, why we're saying hi to Changed for Life Church. So that's a little bit more of the behind the scenes story. Um, I would just say that for our folks here locally that are a part of our church on the Palouse, be thinking of and lifting up uh, Toby and Mandy Arnold and their church over in Baker and just be praying for them and uh, asking God to provide protection for them, uh, direction for them, and to really just uh, bind their congregation together through all these weird times that we're all navigating as we minister and pastor and shepherd folks. And then for those of you at Change for Life Church, I would just say that we are the same. We covet your prayers. Uh, as you think of us, lift up Real Life Church in Pullman and Colfax and just uh, ask God to give us uh, strength and protection and leadership as well. We just uh, recently found out that our school districts may be going 100% online and in fact, by the time this uh, plays, they maybe have made that decision. It's hard to tell nowadays. Everything changes so so quickly, and we're just adapting day by day to the different changes. But uh, with all of these things that are co- uh, connected to COVID and online, everything, it just affects people's relationships. It affects their pocketbooks, whether or not they're going to have to have extra child care and just all sorts of implications. So just be praying for us. And uh, we'll do the same for you. So, well, um, I've got one other quick announcement for everybody this morning that pertains to uh, everybody watching, no matter where you're watching from. And that is um, a really cool thing that we've got coming up. I've mentioned it, but I want to keep mentioning it because it's really important. Uh, Thursday night, September 3rd, we're doing a worship night. And for those of you that are local or within uh, driving distance, I would just really encourage you to come to Pullman that Thursday night, September 3rd. Uh, we are going to have a great worship night together as a family at uh, Daggy Hall, where we meet for our in-person services on Sunday mornings. We've got lots and lots of room there. We'll be uh taking all the safety precautions with masks and um, hygiene and all that good stuff. But we're going to have a great night of worship and testimonies, and uh, it's just going to be really powerful. I'm really, really looking forward to it. And so I'd encourage you to come. For those of you that can't come because of health reasons or you're just outside of the area, 
um, I would really uh, challenge you to be thinking about how could you put together uh, a small group to meet in your home and watch the worship night that we live stream. And so it's not going to be a replay. It's not going to be something that's recorded and then you sort of watch it later. It's going to be just like 100% live stream, live TV right there with us. Whatever you're seeing at home is exactly what's going on in the room. And so it'd be a way for you to participate. So be thinking about who would you invite if you could get eight, 10 people to come over to your living room, who would you bring? And, uh, and then figure it out, you know, get the invites out and get the rally, the troops to do an at home thing. And then for those of you at change for life church and Baker that are watching, I would really just challenge all of you to be thinking about how could you use this as an opportunity to just reach out to your community, to other people at other churches, to other people that you know are Jesus people, but maybe not connected and invite them to come that night and worship together as a family. And, um, and I would really challenge you too to just, uh, some of you to just take ownership on this and just go for it. Like figure out all the logistics of the senior center where you guys meet, the technology, the whatever needs to be done, the hosting, the, you know, refreshments, coffee, you name it. You guys solve it and then just go tell Toby and Mandy, hey, this is when and where you guys need to be. And so you guys just run with it and invite the whole town to come and worship with you that night. And that, again, it'll be live streamed. So you'll be able to see exactly what's going on with us. And so that could be a really fun night where we've got people watching in person. We've got people watching in homes around our community and around the region. And then a whole nother church uh, full of folks worshiping together that night and so um so that's that's that and i've talked to the, i've talked with you about it a couple of times i'm just excited about it and looking forward to it so um spread the word all right so you all know that we're in a series talking about sabbath talking about this uh important commandment that god gives us to set apart this day and call it special and holy and not forsake doing it right and so the question that we're going to tackle today and and dig into is why does your identity matter? Why does your identity matter? And kind of specifically tying it into the idea of what is your identity and uh, taking a Sabbath break, how do those relate to each other? How does one connect to the other? All right. So that's what we're going to get into. If you recall last week, I talked about how the Sabbath commandment is the only commandment that um, instructs us to recall an event, right? And to remember an event. And that event, of course, is the rescue mission that God went on to uh, rescue his people from Egypt. And the thing I want us to think about here real quick is before the rescue mission, before that actually uh, started um, and went into full effect, we get some insights in scripture as to the conditions that the people were living in and kind of the things that they were subjected to. And yes, the physical conditions were demanding and challenging, but even maybe more so damaging than the physical stuff they were going through was sort of the mental and emotional abuse uh, that they were um, subjected to. It was really, really challenging and difficult times. And so it literally was reshaping their identity and I think we need to take a look at exactly what was going on there. And so we can find this in Exodus 5. And, and just giving us a little setup before we jump into the text and text in uh, Exodus 5 is we've got Moses now has gone to Pharaoh. And for the first time, he's really 
uh, gone to Pharaoh and, and relayed God's message. You know, hey, God's told me that uh, I need to come here and tell you, you got to let my people go. You need to let them go into the wilderness and worship and offer sacrifices and, and release them. And Pharaoh obviously didn't listen. And it was like the more Moses and Aaron tried to reason with Pharaoh, the more angry and frustrated he got, the more agitated he got. And we sort of get a glimpse into really what was Pharaoh's beef with this request. Like it, it wasn't so much that about whether he did or didn't believe in uh, the God of the Israelites. That, that really wasn't the issue here. The issue was that when he looked out and saw what was going on, he noticed that the people had stopped working, that, that Moses and Aaron's, um, uh, discussions with the people were disrupting their work. And, and you got to understand when Pharaoh and the Egyptian leaders looked at the Israelites, they really didn't actually see people, right? They just saw objects, just a means to an end. They, they saw workers that were really just repa- uh, you know, replaceable tools to do the bidding of the Egyptians. So, I, knowing that, it, it probably shouldn't shock us to see the way that uh, Pharaoh responded when Moses asked to let the people go. And so that's kind of where we pick it up in Exodus 5, verse 6 uh, through 18. I want to read it with you and let's see how, uh, how Pharaoh responds um, and sort of the conditions that the Israelites were living in. And so it goes like this on verse 6. The same day... Pharaoh sent this order to the Egyptian slave drivers and the Israelite foremen. Do not supply any more straw for making bricks. Make the people get it themselves, but still require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They're lazy. That's why they're crying out. Let us go out and offer sacrifices to our God. Load them down with more work. Make them sweat. That'll teach them to listen to the lies. So the slave drivers and the foremen went out and told the people, this is what the Pharaoh says. I will not provide any more straw for you. Go and get it yourselves. Find it wherever you can, but you must produce the same, uh, just as many bricks as before. So the, spe- the people, they scattered throughout the land of Egypt in search of stubble to use as straw. Meanwhile, the Egyptian slave drivers continued to push hard. Meet your daily quota of bricks, just as you did when we provided you with the straw. That's what they demanded. Well, then they whipped the Israelite foreman that they had put in charge of the work crews. Why haven't you met your quotas Uh, either yesterday or today, they demanded. So the Israelite foreman, they went to Pharaoh and they pleaded with him, please don't treat your servants this like this. They begged, "We're, we're given no straw, but the slave drivers still demand, make bricks. We're being beaten, but it isn't our fault. Your own people are to blame. But Pharaoh shouted, you're just lazy. Lazy. That's what you're, that's why you're saying, let us go out and offer sacrifices to the Lord. Now get back to work. No straw will be given to you, but you must still produce the full quota of bricks. Well, you got to understand, perhaps one of the most damaging things happening here to God's people in Egypt was that Not only had their identity really been lost and forgotten after such a long time in slavery, but even worse, it was being redefined by their Egyptian masters. And here, you got to understand, we're talking about God's people, a people who once knew 
They belong to God, and now all they know is they belong to Egypt, like an object or a tool. And these were people that once knew that they were made in God's image, and now they believe that there's nothing unique or special about them. They're only worth what they can produce. All they know now is that they're just identified by their Egyptian masters as lazy, replaceable, expendable. If they don't do what's required of them, it means nothing to cast them aside. But it's important that we remember that that's not the way God saw them. God saw them as redeemable. God saw them as a a people worth fighting for, worthy of the inheritance that he had promised their ancestors before. And and here's what God had to say about Pharaoh's uh, ignoring Moses and Aaron's request and calling his people lazy. As you can imagine, uh, God didn't take kindly to the way Pharaoh treated his people. And so as you hear this text, imagine uh, like a, a mama bear, a daddy bear that is looking out for their kids, that someone has said something about your family and it is wrong and it is not okay and you are looking out for them. Like that's the, the fervor and sternness that God comes to this, uh, you know, has the tone of that as he speaks these things. And so Exodus chapter six, verse one, it goes like this. Then the Lord told, told Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. When he feels the force of my strong hand, he will let the people go. In fact, he will force them to leave his land. And God said to Moses, I am Yahweh, the Lord I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as El Shaddai, God Almighty, but I did not reveal my name Yahweh. I didn't reveal my name Yahweh to them, and I I reaffirmed my covenant with them. Under its terms, I promised to give them the land of Canaan where they were living as foreigners. And you can be sure that I have heard the groans of the people of Israel who are now slaves to the Egyptians, and I'm well aware of my covenant with them. Therefore, Say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression. I will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. And I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you from your oppression in Egypt. And I will bring you into the land I swore to give to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and I will give it to you as your very own possession. I am the Lord. You see, by the the mighty words of God, the Israelites are beginning to hear a new message about their identity. They're beginning to hear from God who God says they are. What are their, what's their true identity, right? They're beginning to understand and hear that, that God is a God who hears their cries. God is a God who, who cares. Imagine being in their shoes, putting yourself in their circumstances and to, to come to terms with the fact that, that God's listening to you. You're just this peon, this nobody, this just worthless tool among thousands upon thousands of slaves, and God heard your prayer. They're hearing that God will rescue them, that that they're a people 
that God sees as worth fighting for. They also hear that there are people that God will call to himself and he will call his very own. Like, like, they will have his namesake, right? Like they, they, they can see themselves as belonging, not owned by, not at the expense of, but belonging as if to a family. They're hearing that they're worthy of the inheritance that God had promised to their ancestors. And we know how the rest of the story goes, right? The rescue mission is a success and God takes his people on a journey through the wilderness. And it's really in this journey that they begin to trust God, like we've talked about the last couple of weeks, that that they realize first with the practical stuff like food and water and shelter and those things. It, but eventually in time, they they are working through this process of learning really who God is and who God says they are. And one of the critical parts of this process is the Sabbath break that God introduced to them in the wilderness. And he wanted them to embrace this new rhythm of life, this six days on, one day off, like we talked about last week. He, he wanted them to rearrange and settle into this new way of doing life. And it was during this Sabbath day off that, that they're really instructed to remember a time when they were in Egypt, to remember how God rescued them. You see this, this break, this pause that they were to take, there's a big part of it that was about remembering where they came from, remembering what was going on there, remembering who God said they were and how he rescued them out of there. It's like during this pause, they're supposed to reflect on who God is, to remember that he's a God who hears the, the cries of the oppressed of the enslaved, of those who are in circumstances beyond their control, and that he cares and he listens and that, that he's a God of action and that he's a, a God who will handle their enemies. And they've got the memories to validate those beliefs, to prove those beliefs true. And it's also during this time where they pause and, and reflect and listen that they're really learning who God says they are that they were important to God, that that they would be a people that would be called his own people like sons and daughters, that they're worthy of the inheritance promised to their ancestors, that, that they're not alone or abandoned, that God would be with them, amongst them, leading them, right? Like, these are the things that we stop and reflect on when we pause during the Sabbath break. And I, I think the truth is, all of us can relate to the idea that at some point in our life, uh, we've had a season in Egypt, if you will. There are times in our life that we would describe as a time in Egypt when maybe you didn't really know who you were. Maybe you'd lost track of your identity, who you really were. Maybe you had never really figured it out yet. A time when maybe your identity was being shaped by people and circumstances rather than by God. Well, a while ago, 
uh, a good friend of mine made this uh, heart deal here for me. And this, as you can see, I'll just kind of tell you a little bit about it and try and give you a good shot of it. It's uh, a wooden heart. And as you can tell, uh, part of it is pretty old and, and, uh, in rough shape and it's still all weather checked and beat up and it's full of these black arrows. And then the other part of it here is smooth and sanded and it's kind of in the process of being kind of made new. Um, some of the, uh, black arrows have been removed and there's just kind of empty holes where the, the mark had been hit. Um, other ones, there's a white arrow in it, kind of signifying that that is a wound that's being redeemed. And then some of them are just completely sealed off and, and healed up, you know, and kind of sealed with the cross, you know, healed by faith in Christ. And so, and it's, you can see that it's sort of a, a heart in process. And this is a really cool thing. It's something that I wish, uh, I wish it was easier to make one of these and give one to every single person in our church because I think this is something that's such a powerful um, object lesson for us to look at and to bring out maybe even weekly on our Sabbath and to, to pull it out and to reflect and to think through what is going on with our heart, right? Um, imagine what it would be like if you stopped and thought about for a minute, like some of these dark arrows, what if they were... Uh, what if these dark arrows represented lies that you had heard about your identity, about who you are? And what if, what if those are the lies that stuck, right? What if you were to look at and think about what lies have stuck in you that have shaped who you see yourself is, what you think about yourself? Um, kind of the path you've chosen in life, maybe the career you've chosen, the relationship stuff you've gotten yourself involved into, the, the, just the things that have happened in your life that have been shaped by lies that have stuck, right? I, I know some of the lies for a lot of people, I'm not saying that these are all are ones that are for me. These are just ones that I think that unfortunately are all too common. What if some of the lies that stuck with you were like, you'll never amount to anything at this rate, right? Like, what if that's what this one was? You'll never amount to anything at this rate. What if, what if another one is, you know, you're always going to be the fat kid. You might as well just get used to it, right? Like, what if that's one of the lies that stuck or, or you're a mess. It just seems like everywhere you go, like it just messes follow you. How about this one? You're always causing problems and it seems like trouble finds you everywhere you go. Like you're just trouble. How about this? Why can't you be more like your sister? Why can't you be more like your brother? How about this one over here? This one tends to stick pretty deep when you hear this lie. What if, what if you hear the, I, you know, I wish you'd never been born. What if you hear, stop with all the tears. Why do you got to be such a big baby? Right? These things that are shaping your identity and, and, and forming your ideas about who you are and what you're worth and what other people think you are. How about this one down deep in here? You never listen. I don't think you even care about anybody. And you gotta understand the, the importance of honoring the Sabbath when it comes to our identity particularly, is that it gives us this time to pause, 
to, to take a break each week and to do a heart check, right? To actually sit down and do a heart check. Are there any dark arrows that have stuck? Are there any lies that took root this week? And can I deal with them quick before there's a bad wound, right? Like when we neglect the Sabbath and we don't take this weekly break and we, we go weeks on end, months on end, maybe years, and we just don't really observe it. Like it's easy for our heart to just become overwhelmed, full of lies, full of all these darts, these lies and, and arrows from the enemy that are trying to tell us who we are, that, that, that are not from God. And the longer we go between those pauses, those breaks where we stop and reflect and we, and we deal with these things, the harder they are to deal with, right? The more painful they are to remove, to get the arrow to actually pull out. Like some of these, it's like, whoa, that one's, that one's stuck deep. It's going to be hard to get out. Others you can deal with more quickly, more easily. And it's like, when we don't take those healthy breaks, when we don't honor the Sabbath and, and these things begin to accumulate and can overwhelm us, is it any wonder that, that, that people struggle with things like depression and, and anxiety and they feel hopeless or alone or that nobody would ever want to love them? Cause look, right? Like they, they see all this stuff and they think everybody sees all this stuff. Is it any wonder that people can get in such a pit where they actually get to the spot in their life where they think that, that the world would be better without them? But what's important that we remember and, and, and just don't take for granted is we have to know we have a God who knew how important it would be that we would take these breaks, that we would have these pauses, that we could take this weekly Sabbath break. And he didn't just set it up as a good idea. He set it up for us as a command. Like, this is something you don't forsake. This is something you don't uh, miss out on. Because if you do, and you and you have these long distances between these pauses and these identity checks and these heart checks and this this clearing out the lies, like, it won't be good for you. It will lead you to a path of destruction. And so it's important that you pause, that we honor the Sabbath, that we take these breaks and we think about, like, are there any lies that have stuck, right? That we take time to reflect and, and we think about, like, what are some things that maybe I've heard this week that aren't true about me? What are some things that are shaping how I see myself, what I think about myself, um, maybe what others think about me. And, and how does that hold up to the text? How does that hold up to God's word? Is that in line with who God says I am? Is that in line with what God thinks about me and God's plans for me? I think something else that's really important to remember is that God brought the people out of Egypt, right? And, and he brought them into the wilderness and it was not a fast thing. It wasn't an overnight change. There was a season, a process where they went through in the wilderness where they um, took a long time to sort of unlearn some of the things. And and depending on how long you spent in Egypt, it, it may take time. Yes, there's salvation in Christ. Yes, there is healing in Christ. But But just because we know what God's word says about who we are, 
doesn't mean that these things that have taken root in our heart, they don't quickly go away sometimes. We have to go through a process of, of recognizing, identifying, giving up, letting loose of those things, replacing them with truth. And so it's important to remember that, to think through, like the longer you've been in Egypt, the longer you've been, you know, apart from God, maybe the longer your healing process is going to be, the longer the journey will be for you with the Lord as he's working through these things with you. But I want you to remember too, rest assured, God doesn't rescue you from your Egypt to just leave you alone to navigate the wilderness part on your own, right? Like he doesn't just say, Hey, you're saved. Figure all this stuff out. Like, Hey, yeah, you got all this damage done to you over here. Now you're just on your own to figure it out. That's not what happened with the Israelites. That's not what happens with us now. With the Israelites, God brought them into the wilderness and he was with them. He led them by a cloud by day and fire by night and his presence was with them. And then his presence was with them in the tabernacle and the giving of the law. And he walked with them through the wilderness season coaching and instructing and listening and correcting and encouraging, right? And Jesus says that's the exact same thing available to us now as we put our faith and trust in him. In Matthew 28, 18, we have what we know as the Great Commission. And it's often looked at as the place where we get sort of our ultimate vision cast from Jesus. Like, this is the mission, right? This is Jesus saying, hey, this is what all disciples are to be about, like your purpose, your direction. But in addition to those things, it's also a passage that I think can bring a lot of comfort to people that are coming out of Egypt and they're, they're working through a wilderness season with the Lord, kind of relearning their identity and who God says they are. And they're, they're, they're on mission with the Lord, but they're learning as they go. There's some comfort to be had in this passage as well. I want to read it with you. It says, Matthew 28, 18, verse, uh, verse 18, it says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you, and be sure of this. Listen, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, the thing is, for a lot of you that are really diving in to learning about the Sabbath, that are, for the first time ever, wrestling with what does it actually mean to observe a Sabbath, to set apart a day as holy, to honor God, to dig into is God really trustworthy? You know, how much does God really want you to rest? Like what's going on with your identity? Like what kind of junk has got stuck in here? That's told you a story about who you are and what your purpose and mission is that doesn't line up with scripture. Like when you're starting to look at all this stuff for the first time, it can get a little overwhelming. It can get a little scary. It can get a little messy. And it's important that you remember that you're not alone. You need to hear this, that, that as much as I want you to hear it, Jesus wants you to hear it, that just the same as he told his disciples then, he tells you now, like, 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 be sure of this. Be sure of this. Know that Jesus is with you. Right? It, it can be painful to deal with this stuff, to, to dig in and to start pulling lies out looking at them. It can be painful to, 
to recognize where they came from because they're people that oftentimes are the people that you think were there to love you and care about you. And, and yet, how did this come from them? And it can hurt to pull those things out. It can be frustrating because one day you've dealt with it and a week later you sit down and you take a break and you're like, ugh, how did that get back in there? It's a process and I think it's important for us to remember that it's a process and I think it's important for us to remember that we have a God who knew this wouldn't be easy for us. We have a God who knew that it was going to take Him being with us. It was going to take Him ma- mapping out like clear commands and clear instructions for us for our benefit. And that this time of, of a Sabbath break every week to, to rest and to reflect and to wrestle with our identity was going to be critical for our healing and for our health and for our peace as we learn how to trust and follow Jesus. So, as we wrap up the message this week, I, I want to give you some questions to help you dig in. That's kind of what we've been doing as we've been going through this series. We've been finishing with some questions to really help you sort of take away personally and spend time with the Lord and wrestle with the kind of the subject of the sermon um, as it pertains to Sabbath and just help you personally have time with God to be challenged and grow and learn. And so here's the questions that we're going to send you off with this week. Here's the first one. Um, what's one thing that you've had a hard time overcoming from your Egypt? If you think back to what would you define as your Egypt season, what's something that you've had a really hard time overcoming? The next one is this, uh, what are some lies that have stuck with you? If you were to sit down and pull out your imaginary wooden heart, what arrows would be stuck in it? What lies have stuck with you? The third one is this, how will honoring the Sabbath weekly uh, help you embrace your identity in Christ? Write that one out. Sit down with a piece of paper and the Lord and a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and, and just be like, okay, Lord, if I really do this, if I really honor the Sabbath, if I really set apart a day and I camp out, like, what's that gonna, what's that gonna do for my identity? And think about it. Listen, write, pray. The last thing is this. Um, on our online sermon notes, uh, we've added sort of a devotional um, uh, guide to go with it to help you sort of uh, look at what are some of the common lies that people hear and then what is some truth to combat those lies from God's Word. And so that's going to be available attached to the sermon notes this week. And you can find those at rlcpullman.com slash sermons. And when you go there, there'll be two things you see. The link to watch the sermon this week and then the other button is this week's sermon notes. All you got to do is click that and you can uh, watch, you just, you know, review them right there online or you can uh, download and print them. So that's where those are uh, for you this week. And so hopefully that's something that's a tool that helps you dig into some of this stuff and dig into some of the lies that um, maybe have taken root in your life. And as you take time to pause and reflect and honor the Sabbath, um, hopefully God will um, meet you in those lies and, and meet you with truth and help encourage you and point you to who he says you are, what he thinks about you and what his 
mission and plans are for you personally. And so that's my hope and prayer for you this week. So we're going to finish with communion right now. So if you have not had a chance to grab your elements for communion, now's your cue. I'm going to do the same. And then we're going to be right back and take communion together as a family in just a minute. Well, every week we take communion together as a family, and that's what we're going to do as we finish up this morning uh, as a church. No matter where you're watching from, whether you're at Change for Life Church or you're watching as a part of Real Life Church online, uh, we just encourage you to um, take communion with us if you want to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus with us as we finish our time together this morning. And so what we do when we take communion is we remember what was accomplished for us on the cross by Jesus. The, the fact that he followed through with the plan that God laid out as hard as it was made a way for us to have forgiveness for our sins. It, it made a way for us to know that once and for all, we have been rescued from Egypt for good, that we have been redeemed and bought with a price and that we belong to the family of God, that we are kingdom citizens, heirs to the throne, brothers and sisters with Jesus, like the, like all of those things we can embrace and own because that's who God says we are. And that's all available to us as we put our faith and trust in Jesus because of what he did by conquering death once and for all. And so that's what we remember as a family, when we take communion every week, we remember that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that's given for you. So as often as we take this, let's remember the body of Christ. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he told him that this cup represents a new covenant. And it's a, a covenant or a new agreement that is sealed with his shed blood. And so... We have forgiveness of sins available. We have identity in Christ, membership in the family because of the shed blood of Christ. And so as we take the cup, we do it with gratitude and we remember that that's what's available. And so we remember the blood of Christ. Let's finish together with prayer. Father God, we love you. You are awesome. We thank you so much for your son. We thank you for your word the direction and, and guidance that it gives us. God, we thank you that, um, Lord, that we uh, can know that we belong to you. We can know that we're sons and daughters and we can look ourselves in the mirror and know that we were bought with a price and we belong to you and that we are loved and redeemed and rescued once and for all as we put our faith and trust in your son. And so we just thank you for that, Lord. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us at rlcpullman.com and by connecting with us on Facebook. Until next time, have a great week.